Now, by the end of this message, I want all of us, all of us here, uh, to give a full answer to the question, how does God want children to live with their parents? As a child, you should be interested in that. How does God want you to live with your mom? How does God want you to live with your dad? That's an important question. And I'm not picking on you today. The reason we're asking this question is because we've, we've been going through the adults in the men's service. We've been going through Colossians chapter 3, um, Colossians chapter 3, and we've come to verse 20. And he says this, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So the answer to that question I asked, how does God want children to live with their parents? The answer is, Children must obey their parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. The Bible is saying what God wants for all children here is that you should obey your parents. Now, in a moment, I'm going to explain what that means, right? But before I do that, we need to be clear what the Bible means by this word children in verse 20, right? The original word for children here means anyone... Anyone living at home with their parents. It's a general word. Anyone living at home with their parents. So it includes adults in their 20s or 30s or 40s right, living at home. I'm not saying parents coming to live with you. I'm saying if you are, if you, if you are living under their roof, okay, this covers you. If they are taking care of you in that sense. They're giving you a roof over your head. That's taking care of you, right? As a minimum. This covers you. Now, what's the minimum age for children here? Actually, I think there's a minimum age here because Paul is writing this command to the children themselves. Children, he's addressing them, not indirectly through parents, but to the children themselves. And that's why this morning, I actually want to do what Paul is doing. I want to address the children. And, uh, of course, I'll have something to say to the um, adults um, as well. So hopefully this will be a slightly shorter sermon than you're used to, because if we're talking to children, we can't be here the whole day, can we? Right? Now, the minimum age, I think, is children who are able to understand this. Paul thinks there are children there at Colosse who understands this command. So that's the minimum age, right? He's written this to them. So young adults... Or anyone, any other, anyone out who's living at home with their parents under their care. And the minimum age, children at Colosse who could understand the preaching of God's word and can respond to the command directly themselves. And he's saying to this vast group, I think, he's saying, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, there are two truths which are in the outline here that verse 20 is teaching us about how God wants all children, right? Those in primary school, those in secondary school, those adults that are living at home with their parents who have been to uni or still at uni, right? Two truths of how God wants those children to obey their parents. The first truth in your outline is this. God wants all children to obey their parents in everything, okay? In everything. Now, if we go outside, right, and uh, get a group of children, right, and ask the children to tell us ten things, okay, maybe I should have done this, 
I should have done it as a seven hour thought about it. I could have come around and asked you guys 10 things that you think God wants us to do in our lives. Like 10 things, right? Do you think many children will include obeying parents? I don't think so. I don't think so. We live in a society where we are taught by people, even in schools, in films, in songs, that no one has a right to tell us what to do. So I believe if we went outside and asked children that question, they just wouldn't put it in their top ten. The world is saying to you every day, be yourself, do what pleases you, right? Not even the parents should tell you what to do. In fact, nowadays they even say, report on the parents at school, right? And most of the celebrities, children you follow and, uh, in films and so forth, they don't seem to obey anyone. So you are picking up that in songs and just looking at them. You think of the hip-hop artists. They are rebels, aren't they? They do their own thing. Right? Rebellious people. But in the Bible, when God taught the people of Israel, top, ten top things he wanted them to do in life, he included obeying parents. Because the ten things, of course, are the ten words, the ten commandments he gave. And obeying the parents is the fifth commandment in the Bible. So it's not a surprise that when the Apostle Paul is writing now to churches in, in the New Testament, particularly this church at Colossae, it includes this command for children to obey their parents in everything. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything. That's where I've got my first point. It's there. Children, obey your parents in everything. Yes, many of the things mom or dad tell you to do are things you don't want to do. You hate turning off the TV or your gadget when mom tells you to do it. You don't like going home quickly after school finishes. You'd rather you had a bit more playing time with your friends instead of going home. You don't like doing sporting activities or hobbies that your parents identify you're good at and they're good for you, and you don't want to do them. You cannot be bothered. She says, do this, or he says, do this. You don't want to do it. You prefer to do just your thing. You want a life with no structure. Now, there are many things that your parents tell you to do that you don't like. I've just given you an example, right? But the Bible is saying you must obey your parents in everything. Did you see that in verse 20? Children, obey your parents in everything. You must do what your mom or dad tells you. Three things. Immediately, without delay. Willingly, she shouldn't drag you there. And excellently, you must do it with your very best. Obey your parents with your whole heart. Listen, we prove we are really obedient when we are obeying people in things we don't particularly like. If your mom told you to go buy trainers, here's the money, go buy trainers, right? From JD Sports. You do it gladly, won't you? <laughs> but that's not obedience, really. That, that's not a proof that you're an obedient child because you bought trainers which you liked. No, you prove your obedience when she tells you, clean the toilet, and you do it. Do your bed every morning and you do it. Those are things you don't like doing. 
Obedience is proved when you do it contrary to what you think is naturally best. This principle is there not just in the home, it's there in the classroom. You're not obeying the teacher if you're just doing what, if, if it's all about really what you like to do. You're, not, you, you're obeying, but you're not really proving that you're an obedient person. That's good that you, you have come to love obedience, and that's what we're getting at. But the proof of your obedience in doing things that are contrary to what you would normally do. It's the same thing in the life of the church for grown-ups here. Obedience to the word of God, obedience to those who are in leadership, is about obeying those not based on our personal preferences. It is doing what God wants. And notice this command from God to obey parents does not even depend on how our parents are like. It is to every type of parent. Look at verse 20. Children, obey your parents. Those are good parents. You just obey your parents in everything, period. Now, when I was young, as some of you know, I grew up in a village in Inchelenge. The village was called Kafimbwa Village. As a young boy, we used to live in a village. And our neighbor from us on the village, diagonal from us, used to get drunk on the last day of the month. I mean, literally used to get drunk. He always came home at the last day of the last working day of the month, drunk. And we would hear him singing. <laughs> and I remember one of my older sisters, they would say to me, Mr. Fisanga has been paid today, <laughs> right? And you belt out a song, right? A loud song to the whole village. Now this man had children, and one of the kids I used to play with, right? And it was embarrassing to his children that their father sang while drunk for the whole village. Now here's the question. Children, obey your parents in everything. Did, that, did God expect that man's children to obey this man? Did he? Well, the answer is yes. You should, should be allowed. Should be allowed, yes. Yes. I know in our society we're not sure. All right? But this is the word of God. And God, he hasn't qualified. He said, children, obey your parents in everything. Paul is saying to us, it does not matter what your parents are like. You may not like your mom. You may not like your dad. Some are good parents. Some are terrible parents. But all must be obeyed. Period. And remember the spectrum? I'm speaking especially here for young adults. We think we have grown up now and we understand the world better. And we've reached the age now where we're in our 20s, 30s. And we don't, we're still at home, but we don't think we need to respect our parents. Because we think we have more informed opinions than them. But he says, no. You are under the roof, you must obey your parents. Whether they are good or they are bad. They are baggage, yes. But they are, you are under their roof. Now, we need to be clear that this command to obey parents in everything assumes that our parents are commanding us to do the right thing. What I mean by that, it is assuming that what they are commanding us to do is not a sin to God. Paul is assuming that these parents are colossal, love the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are raising up children in a way that honors God. Okay? <clears throat> in other words, they would never command their child to sin against God. 
Now, sadly, some parents lead their children into sin. I was thinking about this. Is this a rare thing that children lead their parents into sin? The answer is no. Actually, the society has changed. In the old days, I would make this qualification and I'll move on. I'll simply say, most of the commands you get at home are good commands. Move along. But there's there maybe very rarely when parents tell you to do evil things. Sadly, I can't say that today. I know many children who live with very godless parents. Parents who swear all the time. And this is a norm now. Many, many parents, I would even say most parents, are suddenly leading their children into sin. They sometimes actively recruit their children to participate in their sins. Sins that we can't even mention here, but I think especially the sin of lying. So for example, your neighbor rings the doorbell, right? And your mom says to you, if our neighbor is asking for me, tell her I am busy on the phone. You know your mom is just watching Netflix. She's not on the phone. She just doesn't want to talk to the neighbor. Because otherwise, she knows the neighbor talks for a long time and she thinks she'll miss out on the episodes, right? So, but she's commanded you that and you are stuck. What do I do? Do you obey mom in that situation or not? Well, the answer is no. You must not. You must always tell the truth because God hates lies. And I fear parents do this all the time. So this command to obey our parents and everything does not mean we say yes to sin. It's important you understand that. And that's why I think Paul is writing to children who can discern, who can understand what a sin is and what isn't. If your parents command you to do something sinful, you must politely decline. You must not do it. And you, but you must explain to them with humility and love on why you think it is sinful. And you must be patient as you explain it to them. And it's difficult then bringing another adult to help get the point across. If you are not sure, ask another adult. So I just want to make it clear that sadly, even in so-called Christian homes, parents are making children sin, sin in all sorts of ways. And I can't stand up here and say, here's a blank check, obey everything. I know better. I know what the word of God says. The word of God says Christ is king. And we must obey Christ, even above our own parents. So, apart from that qualification, you must always obey your parents. That's my point. You must always obey your parents as long as it is not a command to sin against God. Well, you must be careful here. If I had more time, I would have explained that many of us abuse that qualification. We have a tendency to say, God told me this, God told me that, therefore I'm not going to obey you. You are living under the home of your parents, your parents says, you can't marry that person, you're under their roof, I'm not saying you moved out, you're under their roof, and you say, no, 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 this is God's will for me. It's not God's will for you, because God's will for you will be when God changes the heart of your parents to agree with the choice of the person you want to marry. So let's not abuse scripture here. Let's be very clear. If mom and dad says, no, I don't want you to marry this, you are being disobedient to God, if you go ahead with that, it's contrary to God working for your purposes. Such a marriage will never be blessed, I can tell you that. It's a marriage rooted in disobedience. If God has called you to marry someone, you're living under the roof of your parents, pray. God changes either your heart 
or changes the heart of your parents so that they conform to that. Because you know, God exercises his providence through our parents. His wisdom is seen through our parents. Okay? God has commanded you, you can marry anyone, but God has given you parents to guide you and our best to come up to arrive at that choice. Anyway, kids, apologize. I, I, I need to make this 20 minutes for you, right? So, but we are, we're doing very badly. But I, I hope you got the point. So let's move along, right? The point I'm making is, is what? I'm saying, obey willingly, obey immediately, and obey with your very best. Except in those circumstances in which they are commanding you to do something sinful. Now, I want to ask the children here a question. Are you doing that? Are you obeying your mom and dad as God commands? Are you doing it immediately without complaining? Are you doing it with your whole heart in it? If I came and asked your parents after this message, how is Jackie doing? How has she been behaving this past week? Who they say, you know, she's been obeying me immediately. She's been obeying me willingly. She's been trying to do her very best. Or she's been saying, it's been a long week. We've been arguing about this and arguing about that, trying to persuade her to read this, trying to persuade her to read that. The Bible is clear. Children, obey your parents in... In what? Children, in what? Are you with me? Everything, everything. Yeah, we're on the same team. Right. Obey your parents in everything. I'm saying that because I want to remind you that God cares about how you treat your parents. I know some parents think that the children's sins are small sins before God. But parents, that's, that, that's a lie. Our children are young in years, but their sins before God are very old. Remember that. To God, there is no such thing as a small sin because of someone's age. All sin is sin to God. If you know what is right and you fail to do it, it is a sin. And if you know it is a sin and you're doing it, you're rebelling against God and your sin is very grievous against God. God is deeply grieved by your sin. Now, maybe you're thinking, how do we know God is offended by sin? Disobedience to parents. Well, the answer is we know because we've read the Old Testament. If you want to know how serious God is about obeying parents, just go to the Old Testament. Do you know that in the Old Testament, for young adults who disobeyed their parents, the, the sentence was death. Disobedience to parents was punishable by death. Your mother says, you can't marry that one. You say, I'm going ahead. Punishable by death. Just like that. Leviticus 20, verse 9. Deuteronomy 21, verse 18 to 21. It's in there. Exodus 21. Read the passages. Now that law was meant for Israel. No, praise the Lord, no one kills any child for disobeying their parents. But it shows how seriously God took this sin and still takes this sin of disobeying our parents. So today I plead with you in the mercies of God. Set your heart. Ask God to forgive you for disobeying your parents. And plead to God to give you a new heart that wants to obey your parents. As I said, immediately, willingly, and excellently. Okay? 
Now, for parents here, before I move on to my second point, I just want you to remember that your children need your help to understand that God is serious about children obeying you. Now, that sounds like an obvious point, but I can tell you many parents today are not serious about children obeying them. Like the rest of society, Christian parents are turn a blind eye to the disobedience of their children. You know, when I used to pick up my daughter, Abigail, up from, from, from our old school, I used to pass in this alleyway, right, in the afternoon. And nearly every week, on my way through this alleyway, I used to tell my wife about it, at just the right time, I think it used to be on a Friday, I was passed by a parent, right, a father, a husband with his wife, and their five-year-old son. And the way they walked struck me. <laughs> Just the way they walked. The alleyway, but the way they walked really always struck me. The child was always in the front. The mom behind the child. And the dad was always behind. I mean, that's how they always walked. They always walked like that. Then one day, I'm walking through this alleyway. And uh, I find them there in the alleyway, and they're just standing there, in the middle of the alleyway. I'm like, what's going on? They're just there. This is curious. Why are they standing in that same formation? Child, mom, dad. Well, it turns out the child was refusing to walk. And now the whole family was stuck. The child didn't want to go. And the whole family was stuck. So, dad, mom. Mom, the child wouldn't move and they wouldn't do anything. They were waiting for him. So the whole family was just stuck there. And all they were doing was begging the boy to move. No ordering the boy. No. They couldn't. The boy was in charge. The boy was in charge in the family. And I've seen this time and time again. And should I tell you that the man I saw was a vicar? Yeah, he was a vicar. A professing Christian. So what we're seeing, even in the church, everything's upside down. Because I think that's a picture of the family now in our society. Children are now in church, followed by mom, and then the dad far behind. We'll come to dad in two weeks' time, right? The whole thing is upside down. But the Bible is clear that as long as your child is under your roof, he is under your authority. You have a moral duty to lead your child in life. And because your child is exactly that, your child, right, part of leading him or her is to impose order in the home. They must obey your commands. They must do it. And if the child is disobedient, it should bother you, beloved. Not simply because it makes your life hard. When I speak to parents here, what bothers them seems to be that their child is making their life hard. No, it should bother you that your child is rebelling against the holy God. I need to remember that. I've been thinking about it. Actually, what used to bother me is that the child is not doing what I want her to do, right? I should be bothered when my child doesn't obey me that here she's standing in defiance against the holy law of God. And so I must plead before God in prayer to enable me to help my child to be disciplined. Now, I'm not saying it is easy. I'm saying we must require children to obey us. Because simply turning a blind eye, and I've seen parents do this, you are sinning against God. You can't just say, I'm leaving him alone. I'm leaving her alone. No. 
He must conform. He must obey the word of God. Because you love him. You care about him. Remember, Hitler was a baby once. So was Vladimir Putin. So was Bashir. So was a child who killed nine people in Serbia recently. That 14-year-old. So is a trans murderer in the U.S. who killed those people at Covenant School. All these were babies once. All these were toddlers. Charit begins at home. In Zambia, we have a saying which says this in my language. Imiti kula empanga. Now, but all I'm surprised I know a bit of my language. Yes, I do. <laughs> right? Imiti kula empanga. What does that mean? The trees today that are growing are the forest of tomorrow. That's what it means. If you want to see how the forest is going to be like, that was the motto, by the way, of my school when I was growing up. If you want to see the, uh, my primary school, if you, want to see the mo- if you want to see how the forest is going to look like in the future, look at the trees that are growing today. So if you want to see how your children will be like in the future, look at them now. And you have a duty. As long as they're under your arm, the responsibility of their future is shared with you. That's the key point. And God will hold you for their future accountable. And therefore, you must work to bring them to obedience. Thank you, children. You're being patient. I'll move along on the second point very quickly. Point number one, God wants all children to obey their parents in everything. The second point is this, and this is the final point. All children must obey their parents because it pleases God. Okay? That's the motivation. Why? Because it pleases God. We've entered on this. Now, I just want to say that the Bible gives many reasons why children must obey their parents, right? For example, children must obey their parents because what? It is good for the children. Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your mother and your father, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That is to say, obeying our parents makes us happy. We have God's favor extended to us because we are doing what God wants. And we can say more. If I would do the Ten Commandments later this year, and I'm sure we'll come back to that. The other reason obeying our parents is God commands it, it pleases God, is because no, the, it pleases God is because it makes our parents happy, isn't it? Proverbs 10, verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Did you hear that? A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. If you want your parents to live long, happy lives, don't break their hearts now. You say, oh, I love mom, I love mom, I love dad, I love dad. Well, if, if you do, why are you breaking their hearts? Why are you bringing sorrow to them? Obey. By obeying, you are increasing their happiness. And your own happiness. So those are two reasons. For your happiness and their happiness. But the Bible gives us even a more important reason in, in the passage we are reading. We must obey our parents because it actually delights the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what verse 20 is saying. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. The Lord there is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in chapter 1 verse 10, Paul prays that the Colossians would do what? would live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Rishi Sunak read that passage yesterday, isn't it? In everything they do, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, he read this. He says, so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What Paul is saying now in verse 20, which we are looking at, not Colossians chapter 1, verse, Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, what Paul is saying is, one of the ways I will know God has said my prayer in chapter 1, that you should live lives that are prison to the Lord, is that I will see children obeying their parents. Paul is saying, God the Son, the Lord Jesus is pleased when we, as followers of Jesus, are obeying the parents that God has given us in this world. Now, why does it please God when you obey your parents? Why does it please God when you obey your parents? What, what is it about that that pleases God? Well, the simple answer is, God is pleased because God has put your parents in charge over you. That's a simple answer. You didn't choose your mom and dad. Do you know that? There's a guy actually from India who was reading a story uh, who sued his mom and dad three years ago for bringing him into this world. He's, he's like an antinatalist. And the case didn't go anywhere. Why? <laughs> because the parents couldn't obtain consent before he was born. I mean, how are they going to obtain consent? There was no way. He was just born, right? They, they brought him into this world. You didn't choose your parents. God gave them to you, right? And he didn't just give you your parents. He said, these are your parents, and I want them to be in charge over you. To direct your life. To make your life function so that your life would be good in this world. Right? You see, God has ordained that all people should live with order. Is the God of order not a God of what? Confusion. Right? So what God has done is he established authority structures in the world. He has appointed kings to rule, as we saw during the coronation yesterday. Right? God has appointed elders and deacons to rule, to oversee the work of the church. And in the home, he has given us mom and dad. Or for some of you, just mom. Or for some of you, just dad. Right? As a, as a result of the function of life. But he has put parents in charge. Right? And he has done that because he wants you to live an orderly life. It is part of what we call the wise government of God. Or the providential government of God. God rules over all things. He is in charge of every single detail of our lives. But the way God executes his rule in the world is through means that he has devised. And one of the means he has devised is putting parents in charge of the home. As the parents rule over you, God is ruling over your life in the home. That's his providential government, his wise government. And he hasn't just done it because he's wise. He's done it because he loves you. God knows as a child, you need taken care of. Imagine if you are born in this world 
just delivered and mom and dad left you there as a, th- as a baby in the hospital. You wouldn't survive. You'd be raised by the government. You would not be raised by Rishi Sunak. No, you should be happy that you got a man who's raised you, right? God knows we need cho- not just children to be taken care of, but by the right people, those who brought them into this world. He knows we need all help in life. And so God has given us a mom, dad, to look after us. Not because they are the primary help, because God himself, of course, is the primary help. But he gives us help in life by helping our parents to help us. Because you see, God loves working through people. And so you should think of your parents as the arms, legs, and feet of God. God cares for you through your dear parents. That's the point I'm trying to make. God wants children to live healthy lives, doesn't he? So what does God do? He gives you parents who say to you, to you, you can't live on cake or week. It's not good for you. He gives you fathers who tell, who tell you as a teenage son, you can't play with that friend of yours. He is into county lines. I don't want you to die before I am dead. He gives the mothers who tell their 18-year-old daughters, you cannot go out dressing like that. Your value is not how men look at you. It is found in God alone. And now when you disobey your mom, what are you doing? When you disobey your mom or your dad, you are saying to God, God, you are not as smart as me, and you don't love me. Because if you did, I would never have put my mom in charge. I would have put me in charge. And when you obey your parents, you're doing the opposite, aren't you? A wonderful opposite. You're saying to God, I trust your wise and loving government over all life, especially over my life. Yes, I struggle with my mom. Yes, I struggle with my dad. But I know your plans for me are the best. You do all things well. And this is the mom you have given me. Therefore, I want to lovingly submit to her because I know she's caring for me. Now, here is a final clarification. There's something important we need to remember. God is pleased when we obey him, right? He commands us to obey parents because it pleases him. But here's the thing I want all children at this point just to understand. In order for our obedience to God to truly delight God, we as children must be true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, as you read that in the English Standard Version, this translation, it's not very good on that point, on the final bit, for this pleases the Lord. Because the literal translation should read, and some Bibles have this, for this is pleasing in the Lord. The literal Greek is not to the Lord as such, but in the Lord. And not just pleasing, but well-pleasing. Because the point the Apostle Paul is making is that this, the children he's writing to are children who claim to be in the Lord, who claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They claim to be under the rule and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are united to Christ by faith in him. And so Paul is saying, if you're a true Christian... You claim to be a Christian. You go to church every Sunday. If you are a true Christian, you must obey your parents. Because it is pleasing to the Lord. 
God is pleased when his children in Christ obey. Now this is very important, isn't it? Because what Paul is saying is the obedience that God really wants is not just obeying the parents. That's good. But it must be obedience by a true child of God. Or to put it another way, what Paul is saying is the key to, to make is for you is to make sure you're obeying your parents as a true follower of Jesus. You see, the problem is that all of us are born with sinful hearts. So no matter what we do, even obeying parents, God on the surface cannot be pleased with that genuinely. What we need is God to send his spirit in our dead hearts. To deliver us from sin. To make us born again. God must create a new heart in each one of us. Not just the children, but even the adults as well. We need God to send his spirit in our dead hearts. We need to be born again. You may have come up, I'm sure you've been told that phrase in the youth meeting or, uh, or, or Sunday school. You need to be born again. The old heart you are born with of sin needs to be removed and it needs to be replaced with a new heart that loves Jesus. Now, this is an important point for us to understand, isn't it? Because the world likes to call children little angels. It tends to think children are born without sin and then they pick up sin in life. And Christian parents sometimes get into that habit. But as a parent, please understand that the Bible teaches what is called original sin. All of us, mom, dad, cousins, aunties, uncles, granddad, grandma, all of us, have I left somebody? Probably I have. All of us are sinners. Everyone is born as a sinner against God. And everyone is born as default, as an enemy against God. We have broken the law of God and we deserve punishment from God. We are sinners. We have dead hearts. But God, by his grace, has sent Jesus, right, to die on the cross for our sins. We deserve to be punished by God, but Christ has stepped in, taken the punishment on himself on the cross. The Lord Jesus died for your sin on the cross. As a teenager as you are, he died for you. As you were in primary school, he died for you. As a young adult, he died for you. He stepped in to suffer the punishment you deserve. What you need to do is to accept the punishment, to accept the punishment of God, of Christ, for you in your place. The gospel in four words, Christ in my place. He was condemned for you. And you need to accept that. And you need to ask Jesus to forgive your sin because Jesus died for you on the cross. And when you do that, Jesus will forgive all your sins, past, present, and future. And he will give you a brand new heart that loves and obeys Jesus. And out of that, you now really start to obey your parents willingly. Why are you struggling to obey your parents at the moment? Because you're still heading to hell at, at the moment. You're still rebelling against God. The proof that you are not yet a true child of God is that you are constantly rebelling against your children, against your parents. But when you cry out to Jesus to give you a new heart, you start to love to obey your parents. And you make you sad when you disobey. I'm not saying that you, you become perfect and never disobey. No. You grow always to 
put off sin. Sin will always be there. But as you grow to love Jesus more and more, you'll be more and more obedient throughout your life. And His Holy Spirit will be there to help you to grow each day to obey your parents. And the more you obey your parents, the more your life will please God. So I just want to ask you this morning, are you born again? Children, have you asked Jesus to forgive your sin? Have you asked him to give you a new heart? You are never too young to come to know Jesus. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Come to Jesus. If you're not sure, speak to your mom. What is it? What was the pastor talking about? Me turning to Jesus. Me becoming a true Christian, having a new heart. Your mom or dad will explain that. And you can, of course, have a chat with me. Or speak to Brother Hola, who some of you have met, I've been discussing, with, I've, I've known well through the youth work. Don't wait. Come to know Jesus and become baptized. Share with the world. I'm ever so glad. I'm no, I don't have an age thing. Parents sometimes ask me, how old does somebody have to be before they're baptized? I say, I don't know when I chat with them that they know the Lord, right? And, and there'll be time to be baptized. There's no age issue. There's no age issue. Today, if you hear his voice, surrender to Christ. Let him save you. Now, I'll end by just speaking to parents here, just to say to parents, this verse is reminding you your responsibilities. I'll say more about this in two weeks' time. But as a parent, you, it is your responsibility to help your children to grow to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And this, beloved, should be the bulk and focus of your parenting. Everything you're doing in your parents must focus on this. This is what should be the point of your parenting. And you know, you and I know that is not what we're doing. The truth is that many of us are just too busy focusing on many things than pointing my children to Jesus. We're too busy. We're too busy to know how they're getting on spiritually. And even when we have time to speak with our children, we are more focused on them making progress in worldly things. Right? Worldly things. Can you honestly say as you sit here this morning that you have the balance right for your children? I, I'm asking that question by reminding you what I said last week. Remember the forces working against your child's faith. Every day they are spending 35 hours picking up godless ideas that opposes the rule of Christ on earth. Ideas which will shape them later on in life. Ideas that are so intricately woven in their subconscious that they are simply not even aware how atheistic or secular their thought processes. And armed with these ideas, as they are growing up, they are radically opposing God's design in the world. Beloved, you must stop blaming society and look hard at your own priorities. Now, I'm all for Christian institutes and what they're doing, and we have them here at the end of the month. 
But the purpose of knowing what's going on in our world is not to shift blame on the government. You are the parent, aren't you? Oh, on judgment day, it won't be Rishi Sunnah giving an account for a child, I can tell you that. It will be you giving an account. It is you he has given responsibility. And you must ask yourself, do you have the right balance? Are you fulfilling your solemn duty before God to lead your child in thought and behavior in the way of the Lord? Have you arranged your life in such a way that this is your focus? You are responsible. Listen, you are the pastor of your home. Just as I will give an account for every member of this fellowship, I, you will give an account for every child in your home. Because you are the shepherd of your home. And that demands that you invest heavily your time to put this issue before the Lord. All the activity that a pastor goes through to care for the souls. In fact, you should just come to me. I'll give you one of my pastoral books because you need that as a parent. You must teach. You must instruct. You must pray for them. You must know how they are thinking. You must suspend all other activities, focus on them alone. You must regularly hold them to a, accountable. It must consume your whole life. This pointing them to Jesus. And then you must say to them, everything else is secondary to that. Focus on employing all the means of grace God has given you as a child. Focus on that. Everything else. Say, this is the vision. To know Jesus and to know him alone. Does this fit into that? Out. Does this fit into that? Ah, that's how it should be. And of course, as they go to school, it multiplies that, doesn't it? Because you must, I think, invest heavily. I'll just end by saying, look, yesterday, we had one of the most powerful images all of us are going to see in our lifetime with the coronation. Because we saw Prince Charles, the moderator from Scotland, comes and says to him, Sir, I want to give you the most treasured thing the world can ever have. And he handed to him the word of God. The most treasured thing. Now, the Church of England has gone apostate in so many ways. But praise the Lord, they were able to have that moment of saying, this is the most treasured thing. To you, as a parent, believe this is the most treasured thing? Or are you like in Charles, just kissing it, bowing to it, but you're only paying lip service to it? Literally for some. Nah. Let's not practice rank hypocrisy. Let us mean it. This is the most treasured thing. And let this word shape our families the way we do things. Everything in the home. This is the oracles of God. That's what the man said. These are the oracles of God. The only guide for life. And if we believe that, well, let us ask ourselves whether we are focusing on that.